0: Pope Francis, no surprise, recent call on, I guess today is the day for tolerance. Didn't know that was a day. He has called for dialogue between different religions. And of course, this is not surprising. He's been saying it before. He signed the Ab- Abu Dhabi document. He's all on board with the Abrahamic House of Prayer, which is going to have a synagogue, a mosque, and a church all together on equal footing around a courtyard. Um... Yeah, and this, you know, is sort of the spirit of Vatican II. And the tweet that he put out today for the, quote, hashtag Day of Tolerance reads, Dialogue between members of different religions does not take place simply for diplomacy, courtesy, or tolerance. The goal of dialogue is to establish friendship, peace, and harmony to share spiritual and moral values and experiences in a spirit of truth and love. Hashtag, day for tolerance. Now, I'm going to discuss today briefly just the historic difference between what you read in that tweet with Pope Francis and then what you see in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. In particular, the witness, the preaching, the evangelization of the Apostle Paul, the great, the Apostle. Um, I'm going to read Acts 17. And I'm going to show you how the Apostle Paul dialogues with the Greek idolaters, the Greek pagans, those that worshiped Zeus and the Greek pantheon. And we're going to contrast the words and actions of Paul with these instructions of Pope Francis. I think it's going to be a useful exercise. Uh, Before we get started, please uh, like the video, share it on Facebook, get more people in here on the live chat. And if you're new, please do consider subscribing and hit that ring a ding bell to be ring a ding notified whenever I go live here on the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast. We'll begin with a prayer and we'll pray the Our Father together in Latin, the Paternoster. Oremus, nomine patris, et fidi et spiritus qui Paternoster. in celi sanctificetur nomen tuum, advenia regnum tuum. Fiat voluntas tua, sicut in et in terra, panum nostrum quotidianum de nobis odie, et imite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimittimus debitoribus nostris, et nenos inducas in tentationem, sed libera malo. Amen. Nomine et fidi, et spiritu sancti. Amen. Well, as I explained in yesterday's show, we talked about transhumanism, we talked about Dante and his use of the word transhumanism. We talked about Aquinas and yesterday's saint, St. Albert the Great. Um, when it comes to humanism, global fraternity, not based on Jesus Christ, but based on, well, what we see here, moral values and experiences of other religions, things start to get a little muddy. And this is truly the spirit of Vatican II. You've heard it by Pope Francis so many times. Uh, and sadly, we saw it even in the 80s under John Paul II with the Assisi I and II, later ACC Three meeting, where you have all the religions, heads of religions, representatives of religions, all on the same footing. The Pope, is not really he's the host, but he's not really honored or presenting himself as the Vicar of Christ, the one true faith, the one true Son of God, the one true salvation. Christ says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John 14, 6. That's either true or false. Our Lord Jesus Christ was either telling the truth about who he is and how he is the one that grants access to the Father, or he was lying, or he was crazy. Lord, liar, lunatic, you know, the C.S. Lewis thing. So that's either true or false. Now, when it comes to dialogue, let me explain what I'm not um, not condemning, not speaking against. When I am around friends who are not Catholic, they could be Protestant, they could be Muslim, they could be Jewish, they could be Hindu. Yes, believe it or not, Taylor Marshall has friends and acquaintances that are all these religions. And I have the Taylor Marshall smile, and I'm friendly, and maybe I buy lunch, or pick up the drinks, or volunteer to drive, or whatever it is. Being friendly, being affable, being kind, I believe is actually part of evangelization. Being a witness, but it also comes along with words. I'm not saying that because someone is an idolater, let's say they worship Hindu idols. All right, They worship Vishnu, or whatever. I'm not saying that they deserve to be treated with disrespect, treated like trash, anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, I like to have conversations with people who are not Catholic. It's kind of one of my passions in life. So that's good. What is not good is really the second part of this tweet. The goal of dialogue is to establish friendship. I like that. Peace, yeah, I like peace, harmony to share spiritual and moral values and experiences in a spirit of truth and love. This is the problem really with the spirit of Vatican II. And that is, we can all come together at an interfaith chapel and we can share spiritual and moral values and the key here, that's problematic, experiences. We cannot share experiences with the worshipers of Vishnu. We cannot have these spiritual sharing of experiences with Muslims, with Jews. We can't do it. You see? Psalm 95 says, all the gods of the Gentiles are devils. That's in the Bible. People attempting... Even if they're trying in in good faith, or maybe their consciences are confused, they were raised in a in a different religion. They were raised with these beliefs that are incorrect. They cannot come to the Father except through Jesus Christ. So to affirm them and to share those experiences, for example, a classic one that's controversial is when John Paul II. Allowed the Dalai Lama to put an idol of Buddha on a tabernacle. That's not good. We cannot, you can't take the two religions and put them and merge them together. Remember Elias in the Old Testament. There's the prophets of Baal B-A-A-L false god, Canaanite god. And Elias was the prophet of the true God, the God of Israel. And they had a showdown. You call upon your gods, I'll call upon the true God, and fire will come down and consume the sacrifice from the one true God. What's interesting is, is Elias poured water three times on his sacrifice. This is a sign of baptism. In other words, he made it harder for the sacrifice to burn, but he also baptized his sacrifice. It's typology of Catholic baptism. And, of course, when the fire comes down on his sacrifice after baptism, that's a sign of Pentecost, the coming down of the Holy Ghost, uh, which is received by us in real time through the Sacrament of Confirmation. So much richness in sacred scripture. By the way, if you want to take my online course on the entire Bible, from Genesis to the Apocalypse, you can do that by signing up at NewStThomas.com. I go through every book of the Bible and show you all the Catholic theology, christ in the old testament our lady uh foreshadowed in the old testament the seven sacraments the mass everything new thomas.com check it out so if elias is not going to dialogue with the prophets of baal and say hey i want to share in your spiritual experiences experiences no in fact Once he proves that the true God is the one who consumes his sacrifice, what does Elias do? He actually takes a sword and kills them all as idolaters in the land of Israel. Now I'm not saying that. In the New Covenant, well of course St. Thomas Aquinas and others, there is a means in our Catholic tradition by which the secular state can use the sword and has used the sword for the punishment of heresy. And again, with the case with Elias, this is idolatry not far away, like over in China or Africa. It was idolatry in the consecrated Holy Land, in the Holy Space of Israel. And so it had to be literally cut out by Elias. And God approved that, by the way. And God never changes. Now I'm going to go over here to Acts 17. And, you know, as I was kind of preparing this, I was thinking the way Pope Francis and liberals and modernists and semi modernists understand this is they kind of want everyone to win. Everyone should be a winner. And this is when I watch football with my wife, Joy. She loves football more than me, even. But there's times where she wants everyone to win. I remember, I think it was a playoff game. Some of y'all in the live chat can tell me. It was the Manning brothers. It was Eli Manning and Peyton Manning, and they were in a game against one another. And the whole time my wife was saying, man, they just need to make it so that they both win this game. And I'm just thinking, this is the NFL. I don't think the commissioners or the refs are gonna say, you know what, because we have brothers quarterbacking against each other, let's just give everybody a W. Everybody gets a win. That's not reality. That's not NFL. That's not football. Now, that's the, that's the heart of a mother thinking about two brothers on the same field. But that same kind of scenario is sort of like the ecumenical uh, zaniness of Spirit of Vatican II spirituality. It's like, well, we Catholics kind of, we, we're legit, but everybody should get a W. Everybody should win. Muslims should win. You know, it's like, Oprah, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. They want everyone to win. And you see, the problem is, is that there are fundamental contradictions between the religions. For example, Islam says Christ is most definitely not the Son of God. It's blasphemy. He is the Son of God. But the Quran says he is most definitely not the Son of God. And yet, the Bible, The Catholic faith says he most definitely is the Son of God. That's a fundamental difference. It can never be overcome by any amount of dialogue. The only way that agreement is had between that religion and our religion is that the person you're talking to, as you begin to evangelize them, hopefully by a holy life, you being a saint or a saintly person, and then you knowing your Catholic faith and being able to explain it and convince them. And then also the Holy Ghost operating on that person as they say, you know, you're, you're right. Christ is the Son of God, the Trinity is real. I repudiate Islam. I accept Christ into my heart and I ask to be baptized. That's the only way that a true harmony based on truth can be established. But Francis here says the goal of dialogue is to establish friendship, peace, and harmony, to share spiritual and moral virtues and experiences in a spirit of truth and love. How can it be a spirit of truth, Francis, if they are denying the fundamental belief? Let's take Judaism. Judaism not only says that Christ is not the Son of God, that he's not the Messiah, the Mashiach. Rabbinical Judaism, which is not the same as the religion of the Old Testament with Moses. Moses instituted or mediated a covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, which had Levitical priests, Levitical sacrifices at the tabernacle, which was eventually established in Jerusalem under uh, David and then Solomon. It is a religion of blood atonement through priests and sacrifice, with pilgrimages three times a year in Jerusalem. That is the religion of Moses and David, the Old Testament, Mosaic faith. Today, Judaism has does not have priests, does not have sacrifice, does not have a tabernacle or a temple. The requirement of the three pilgrimages are waived, all these things. So it's a different religion. And also it denies that Christ is the Son of God and that he is the Messiah. In fact, if you really get a Jewish person to open up to you, they'll tell you, as Ben Shapiro said, that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a failed prophet, a failed Messiah. a, According to their understanding, a rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago who got caught up into a movement and was delusional. So if that's their belief about our Christ, our Eucharist, our Son of God, second person the Trinity, the Logos, the eternal wisdom, how can there be a shared experience based on truth or religious harmony? There can't. There cannot. Can there be friendship? Can each party represent the human dignity in the other? Yes, of course. Can you be neighbors? Yes. Can you be friends? Can you be co-workers? Yes. Can you be cousins? Yes. All of those things are a reality. But to call for religious dialogue to achieve the goals that he is suggesting is just as sentimental as saying, well, I want Eli and Peyton Manning both to win the football game. No. At the end of that game, I can't remember which, which one won. One brother, well, we both came and embraced each other. But one brother was the winner, and one brother was the, was the loser for that game. And when it comes to truth, eternal truth, there's only one religion that is the true religion, and the other religions are not. And if we, if we stutter or if we can't say those words, do we really believe in the Catholic faith. All right, let's read Acts 17. You can read along with me. Of course, I'm reading in the Dewey Rheims Bible. Now, St. Paul is going all around and he's preaching Jesus Christ constantly and he's telling people, repent, believe in Christ, and be baptized for the remission of sins. That is the message of Paul. Where did he get it? He got it from Jesus Christ. Now, he goes to Athens. Athens is the you know, cultural, philosophical capital of the Greco world, the Greek world, philosophical. and says, now whilst Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred within him, seeing the city wholly given to idolatry. So he's troubled. He's in Athens. He's looking around like, man, everyone here is given to idolatry and this bothers his spirit, right? So he has... A sort of sympathy for the spiritual errors and blindness of the Greeks in Athens. So it says he disputed therefore in the synagogue with the Jews, and with them that served God, and in the marketplace every day with them that were there. What did Paul do? He disputed every single day with Jews, with Gentiles. I guess you could say this was a dialogue. In fact, I uh, I just checked the Greek and you've got Leghetto. So same similar linguistic connection to even the word where we get the word dialogue. So yeah, he's co- he's talking with them, but he's not just sort of saying I want to experience to the Jews in Athens. I want to share your experiences and then to the pagan that worships Zeus. I want to experience your religion. I just kind of want to build this harmony. No, he's disputing so as to convert them to the Catholic faith. And certain philosophers, verse 18, and certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics disputed with him. And some said, what is it that this word sower would say? But others, he seemeth to be a setter forth of new gods because he preached to them Jesus And the resurrection. In the Greek here, it's Anastasia, which means resurrection. They thought he was teaching two new gods a god named Jesus and a god named Anastasia. The resurrection. Of course, he was just talking about Christ being resurrected. Anastasin here in the genitive, I mean, in the accusative. And taking him, they brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine is, which thou speakest of. For thou bringest in certain new things to our ears. We would know, therefore, what these things mean. They were curious, the Greeks, the philosophers, the Epicureans, and the Stoics. 21. Now all the Athenians and strangers that were there employed themselves in nothing else but either in telling or in hearing some new thing. It's like, wow, this guy has a new religion, something we've never heard. Tell us about it. But Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. Pause. (laughs) That's an insult, okay? He's saying, y'all are too superstitious. Your theology is bad. He's opening up with, you are too superstitious. Verse 23, for passing by and seeing your idols, I found an altar also on which was written to the unknown God. What therefore you worship without knowing it, that I preach to you. Okay, so interestingly enough, as there's all these idols, there's one empty altar, and it says to the unknown God. So the Athenians were like, well, we've got all these gods, but there might be one we forgot. So let's just make an extra altar and we'll just say to the unknown God. And so he says, What therefore you worship without knowing, that I preach to you. God, who made the world and all things therein, he being Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is he served with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing it is he who giveth to all life, and breath, and all things, and hath made of one all mankind to dwell upon the whole face of the earth, determining appointed times and the limits of their habitation, that they should seek God, if happily they may feel after him or find him, although he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live, and move, and are, as some also of your own poets said, for we are also his offspring. Being therefore the offspring of God, we must not suppose the divinity to be unto like gold or silver or stone, the graving of art and device of man. And God, indeed, having winked at the times of this ignorance, now declareth unto men that all should everywhere do penance. He says, Look, God, in the old days, you know, you may have winked at what you were doing because you were just lost. But now, I, the Apostle Paul, an ambassador of Jesus Christ, I'm here to tell you that God is calling you away from the idols, away from these false gods, and he's calling you to worship the one true God and everywhere to do penance. Verse 31. By the way, if you like this, thumbs up. Like it. Verse 31. Because he hath appointed a day wherein he will judge the world in equity, by the man whom he hath appointed, giving faith to all by raising him up from the dead. So here Paul talks about judgment. There's going to be heaven. There's going to be hell. So this is not just ecumenical niceties. This is not just dialogue like, tell us what you're experiencing in your religion right now. No. No. He starts off, you're superstitious. You have false idols. There is an unknown God that you will recognize. There's one. I'm telling you who he is. He made everything. He made the heavens and he made the earth. He created all humans and he's called all humans to come back and to know him through the one he's appointed to judge the living and the dead, who he rose again on the third day. Verse 32. And when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some indeed mocked, but others said, we will hear thee again concerning this matter. So, Paul went out from among them. But certain men adhering to him did believe, among whom was also Dionysius the Areopagite and a woman named Damaris and others with them. So, people actually did convert and become Christians and be baptized. Sacred tradition tells us that Dionysius or Dionysius the Areopagite became appointed and ordained by Paul, the first bishop of Athens. All that there in Acts 17. So when we read Acts 17, we can actually see how the apostles dialogued, discoursed, disputed with Jews and Gentiles who are pagans, who worship idols. And Paul is not content to simply get along, have a false harmony. No, he calls out the errors in their religion, and he talks about Judgment Day, and he talks about Jesus Christ, and the resurrection, and wouldn't you know it, Paul didn't convert all of them, but he converted a few, and that was the beginning of the Catholic Church in Athens. Do we, as Christians, as Catholics, do we talk like this today? Does this tweet by Pope Francis conform to the style and approach of Apostle Paul in Acts 17? I don't think it does. And that makes me sad. That makes me sad. Because I think if the world were to look to the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, and hear him with the conviction of St. Paul saying, look, you're given to idolatry, maybe you inherited that in your culture, and your family. But I'm here to tell you that there is what Paul calls the unknown God, the God who is the true creator of heaven and earth. He created all humans and he wants all humans to come and to know him. And the means by which you can enjoy that is Jesus Christ. And we know for a fact that Christ is the key to heaven. He is the gate. He is the portal. He is the door. He is the way, the truth, and the life because God rose him on the third day. Muhammad did not rise on the third day. None of the rabbis since the resurrection of Christ have ever risen from the dead. None of the Dalai Lamas, none of the so-called prophets or seers of the other religions have ever risen from the dead. Only Christ, the founder of the one true faith, rose on the third day and confirmed it with appearances and miracles and ascended to the right hand of the Father. That's why I'm a Catholic. That's why I'm a Christian. And I can't, with a certain integrity, I can't sit around people of other religions and say, your religion is just as good. I want to share the experiences of your truth. What? Of your religion. Of your version of God. No. Mm -mm. It doesn't work like that. So, let's pray a Hail Mary, the mother of mercy, the mother of the Messiah, the mother of the Son of God. She loves the world. She pities us in this valley of tears. Let's pray that Francis becomes more like Paul and that I become more like Paul and you become more like Paul. When we see idolatry around us, as Paul says, his soul was stirred up. He was troubled when he saw people in spiritual darkness. So let's pray that ave maria oremus nomini patris et spiritus sancti amen ave maria grazia plena dominus tecum benedicta tu and molieribus et benedictus fructus ventris tu iesus sancta maria mater dei or pre-nobis peccatoribus et mortis nostre amen nomini patris fidei et spiritus sancti amen friends thanks for watching make sure you like that video make sure you subscribe and turn on that bell. Thanks to all the new Patreons who support this channel and all my writing. If you'd like to be a generous Patreon patron of what I do, and I'll send you some autographed books in the mail. There's even an option where I'll send you all my books in the mail autographed. Go to patreon.com forward slash If you want to take those online courses with me and go through the entire Catholic Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, all the way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all the way to the Apocalypse. Go to newst.thomas.com. Join a bunch of people who are taking online courses. You can even earn your certificate in Old Testament studies, your certificate in Catholic New Testament studies. It's all available at thomas.com That's where I teach classes online. It's like YouTube, but more intimate, more info. And there's a whole curriculum step-by-step that you work through with taking videos like this with me going through the bible so check that out what else do we need to cover today oh yes if you're looking to find a traditional catholic community where you can be encouraged by the kind of things we're talking today and maybe that's not available in your town maybe you don't have a, a traditional catholic church the great catholic migration is real people are moving I meet people every week who have moved to Texas, where I live, to start going to the Catholic, traditional Catholic masses that we attend. If you want to learn more about that, or maybe find a real estate agent who can talk to you about relocating, go to Real Estate for Life, realestateforlife.org. I've partnered up with them to help people find a community for their family. And uh, make sure if you do do that, How'd you hear about real estate for life? Click Dr. Taylor Marshall's show. Good. Read the Bible every day, every morning. Remember, young men out there, I told you, read the book of Proverbs. There's 31 chapters. Every morning, read one chapter and read the book of Proverbs at least 20 times. You'll avoid a lot of pain in life. You'll become a wise man. Read the Gospels. That's good for today. That's good for today. So remember... Our Lord Jesus Christ is you're the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless. And by the way, don't be afraid to share your Catholic faith with people. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And And have your conviction that it is the truth. Be the salt. Be the light. You can do it. Don't be afraid. God bless.